0: True or false? And don't answer this out loud, just answer it to um to yourself. Satan is against religion. That is false. In fact, What was the first temptation that was ever written in the Bible? The first temptation. It was a religious one. What tempted her was, you'll be like God. You see, Satan doesn't even care if you're sitting here in church. That may sound odd. What he cares is when we become effective for the work of Christ. Just as long as we're ineffective and we're involved in religion, it's not really part of us. He could really care less. Because in that moment, we're walking in collusion with Satan. But when we repent and we're in Christ, it's the end of me And we're really a Christian. Now we're walking in collision with Satan. That's when the battle begins. But let's not forget, he's a defeated foe. And you know, much of my life, I have spent fighting Satan. You know, if you could see Satan after I would have been finished with him, he'd probably look like a bulldog, you know, is smashed. But you know, once we come to the realization, we don't fight him. When we're in Christ, remember, Christ crushed his head. How can we crush it more than what Christ has? He's defeated. But we must. Be in that position and know our position. Faith, I'm going to share a little gospel according to Tupperware. Before we're born again, it's just me. That's how I'm born. Then God starts to draw us. Then we ask Jesus to come in into us. So now Christ is in me. So when that happens, this is somewhat, you know, there's seven of our youth who next Sunday will start the classes for baptism. And the 8th has been um, baptized already, but they moved from California. So uh, there's going to be 8 of them, but there's 7 of them. And I want to show them what has to happen. Or should have happened now. Is they've invited Jesus into them. Okay? So now... They're desiring baptism. What happens then? We're buried with him in baptism. Now it's totally Jesus. It's the end of me. My faith in Jesus now takes me over And I'm a child of His. I'm in the church. I'm a true Christian. And then we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? But it must be the end of me. It must be. Where do you see me in here? This last month I've been pondering, you know, and and I had been thinking about counterfeit Christianity. That's what I've been just pondering. But I think it was Friday night it changed to true Christianity. Why not focus on the real thing? Rather than teaching on what, how would I want to word it? You know, if you're this, you're not in. Let's say, this is where we go. Higher ground. Let's raise the bar. You know, we have bought in to this American church culture. I better stick to my notes or I'll get rambled all over the place. First of all, Welcome, I don't want to forget that, welcome to each one, welcome to the visitors, we're good, glad you're here, and uh, now I don't see him. Levon and Beth, um, there you go, Beth, um, it's good to have you back, it's, it's, we're excited for you to go out in the mission field, but it's also good to have you here. So today, I wanna look at what Jesus taught. You know, we tend to make church life or our Christian life difficult, hard. How would you say? Sometimes it's hard to understand. But you know, the gospel is so simple that babes understand it. So why do we make it so difficult? Let's see what Jesus taught. And I think why it seems so hard, me gets in the way. And maybe by the end of today, you might even street evangelize, at work, whatever, you may do it differently than what we've been doing. Let's see what Jesus taught. You know, sometimes, you know, we've desired church growth. It's exciting. And if... uh Someone would come to you and say, what must I do? I mean, they're just so on fire, they they just can't hold back. What must I do that I can enter in? What do we normally say? What would we tell them? Well, confess that you're a sinner, you know, repent and all this. Accept Jesus as your Savior. Man, you're in. Say this sinner's prayer, you're in. What did Jesus do? When there was a great multitude following him, what did he tell them? A marvelous church growth speech. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink this his blood, you have no life in you. Can you imagine the disciples following him? The looks on their faces. Man, what's going to happen with the crowd? Oh, no, not this drink my blood speech again. Is that not what we would think today? What happened then? From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, see, he wasn't worried Are you going to leave also? How many times do we want to twist things so also oh, they stay? Jesus said, are you going to go too? By the end of his speech, they all had left, except those 12. He wasn't concerned of a big following. What he was concerned about was a true following. See, his focus was on the few who believed in his, um, when he said those radical things. And what he desires is radical obedience to his radical teaching. And through their radical obedience, they turn the world upside down. They turn the course of history in a new direction. You see, the end of me is where the real life in the upside down ways of Jesus begin. If we're not... enjoying the abundant life that Jesus has to offer, then too much of me is still alive. Now on another occasion, now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple." Imagine hearing those from an obscure Jewish teacher in the first century. Then he continues, gets deeper yet. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In other words, pick up an instrument of death and follow me. Torture. You know... This is getting plain weird. In today's society, even kind of creepy. Imagine a leader coming today saying, take this electric trail wherever you go. Be odd. But if we would carry, be carrying an instrument of death, we would always be reminded. That's, I think that's what Jesus is saying. Reminding, wherever we are, it's the end of me. Any takers? You want to follow them that way? As if that wasn't enough. Jesus finished his seeker sensitive plea with a pull out of your heartstrings conclusion. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. There's not room for an ounce of me. All includes everything. We hold nothing back. Give up everything you have, carry the cross, and hate your family. I don't think he literally meant hating them. But we dare not love anyone anything more than him. Nothing should infringe on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing Now, this sounds a lot different than admit, confess, believe, pray a prayer after me. You're a hen. Now, that's still not all. Mark 10. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running. He was this excited. He came running knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. And you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Here was a guy who was young, Rich, the one says he was a rich young ruler. Um, He was intelligent. He was influential and eager. Today, we would consider him a prime prospect. You know, if we would have been Jesus, man, this is our chance. When do they come that eager? That simple confess your sinner and these spiels we go through, man, he'd be in, in our minds. And just think what that guy could do with all his intellect, his prestige, his The, uh, what else could I say? The influence he could have on others. Imagine him going to different places. He was a uh, rich young ruler, so he could go and share his testimony, and man, look at what he could do. Jesus wasn't concerned about that. Wish Jesus could see right into his heart. He wasn't ready to give all of himself. To us, it would have been a no-brainer. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me but he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He wasn't ready to surrender it. It was too important. See, Jesus did opposite of what we normally would do. You know, unfortunately, Jesus didn't have all those personal evangelism books of today that tell us how we spread the net. I mean, when they're in, when we close that sale, man, it's the sale is finished. We got them in. You see, when he called the disciples, they had to abandon their career. Matthew was a tax collector. He left it. Some were fishers. And they were fishermen with their father. Leave your family. You follow me. One even said, well, I have to uh, bury my dad. Let the dead bury the dead. And it's just, man, that was harsh, is what I think. Can't even go to my dad's funeral. I have to follow Jesus. That's not that we say we don't go to dad's funeral. But that's what he wants is nothing comes before Jesus Christ. Nothing. Ultimately, Jesus was calling them to abandon themselves. Leave certainty for uncertainty. Safety for danger. And self-preservation for self-denunciation. It doesn't sound positive at all. What would draw people to that? This is where we come to face, or we come face to face with this dangerous reality. He's calling me to bring an end to me. We do have to give up everything we have to follow Jesus. We do have to love him in a way that makes our closest relationships in this world look like hate. It's a possibility that we may be asked to sell all we have. Could we do that? And solely trust in Jesus. Could I do that? You know, I've been blessed... There's times, you know, when um, I don't remember, have I locked the car or haven't I? Well, I don't want to go and look. Then my wife would say, well, if somebody wants to take it, let them take it. That's how we should be. Are we so concerned that we might lose a dollar? Or are we so concerned that we'll lose a $20,000 vehicle? Should we be more concerned that we lose our relationship with Jesus Christ? Where's our focus? What is my focus today? Am I so concerned that I don't err from being obedient? Am I willing to give up everything for Jesus Christ's sake? Where's my heart? That's true Christianity. If, my, if I could not give up everything I have, my 401k, my life savings is just gone. How can that be? Would we lose our mind? If we do, we're not in. I'm sorry. Because our heart's on, on our whatever we have. That's where our stability is. That's where our safety is. Because I am set for life. Whether it's 5,000, whether it's trillion, trillion. It should mean nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If I lose it all tomorrow, would that cause me to lose my focus on Jesus Christ? If it does, it has got me and Jesus doesn't. That's the reality that I have discovered through this. I better not have anything. No other gods before me. That even is alongside What are we doing when we just let them come in without surrendering all? They bring in Jesus alongside. That's wrong. Forsake all. Be a true Christian. Those are the ones we want. The ones who are willing to surrender all because of the benefit we have in Jesus Christ, that abundant life, the eternal life. That's what makes it worth it. I hope I got the rabbit on that trail. See, we start to rationalize the passages away. Oh, he didn't literally mean that. This is where we need to pause. Because we're redefining Christianity. We are giving in to the dangerous temptations to take the Jesus of the Bible and twist him into a version of Jesus we are more comfortable with. A nice, middle-class, American Jesus. That's who we want him to be. A Jesus who doesn't mind materialism, and would never ask us to give away everything we have. A Jesus who would not expect us to forsake our closest relationships so that he receives all our affection. Surely he's not that way. A Jesus who is fine with nominal devotion that does not infringe on our comforts because after all, he loves us just the way we are. Does this stuff sound familiar with today? A Jesus who wants us to be balanced. He wants us to avoid dangerous extremes and who, for that matter, wants us to avoid danger altogether. Don't go to Myanmar. It's dangerous there. <laughs> go, um, A Jesus who brings us comfort and prosperity as we live out our Christian spin on the American dream. Is that where we're going today? Is that what the church has become? Is it any wonder the country is in the condition it's in? Because we've bought into them. We're not the ones that Jesus Christ wants us to be. Totally sold out. The end of me. What brings all this? A center focus on me. Is where corrupt. Comes. Sin. You see, in Jesus, there's no I. J S U S, there's no I. It's all Jesus. But then when it comes to pride and sin, there's I. Let's remember that. If we want to be in Christ, I is gone. Christ actually has I. Jesus. I is gone. It's all him. Do you realize what we're doing at this point when we believe all these lies I was saying? We are molding Jesus into our image rather than allowing him mold us into his image. He's looking a lot like us because that's who we're comfortable with. That's where we're comfortable when it goes my way. The danger now is that when we gather in our church building To sing and lift up our hands and we're praising the Lord. You know what? If we're not the true Christian, we're actually worshiping ourselves. Imagine what God thinks on that. You know, it's not all that say Lord, Lord who answers in. We are settling for a Christianity that revolves around catering to ourselves when the central message of Christianity is actually about abandoning ourselves. That's really what Jesus taught. Could we say, and this is asking myself, if tomorrow morning I would wake up and I have lost everything, think of Lot, He may have had his land and his wife, but he lost everything. What did he say? The Lord has given. The Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Could I say that? Could you say that? If we lose our whole life savings. All our children. Just a, a bare land and my wife. Could I say Blessed be the name of the Lord. Where is my heart? And even should go a step further. If I would have nothing left, everyone else everything else would have been abandoned. And I would be alone. In the middle of nowhere, not nowhere where I'm at even, could I still say, Blessed be the name of the Lord? because I know who I am. If you wonder who you are, Ephesians one, we're accepted, we're in the beloved, we're accepted in the beloved. There's a whole list there. It's, and then we're sealed. Comforting, empowering. That's why, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't want anything else. I just want the Lord. That's where David was at. So I want to close with a note to me. And I don't know if you noticed that beautiful caterpillar in the beginning of the slide. And then after this note of me, note to me, and if it truly has happened, and does happen, I want you to see that picture that's afterward. That's what our life should be. Because that's really... The root word, the Hebrew um, root word is that we have to metamorph into a new creation. Okay. Dear me, I've known you for as long as I can remember. I once heard there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and yes, that's us, though I doubt it's what the proverb was talking about. I've been close to a lot of people, but you and me, We have quite an attachment. Looking back, it's fair to say I've treated you pretty well. As a matter of fact, more times than I can count, I've put you ahead of anything and everything else, agreed? As we were growing up, I tried to make sure you were always at the front of the line. I saw to it that you got the biggest cookie on the plate, the best parking spot, and the comfiest chair in any room we entered. In school, I noticed the little things you liked. I went after them. You always loved attention, so I did everything in my power to see that you got it. You still like the spotlight, so I've maneuvered to keep you in its glare. Now that we have the Internet, I have more tools. I post only the pictures that show you at your very best. Anybody would think you're living the dream. Have you seen the comments people write about you? When you have struggled or had a hard time, I've done my best to keep it out of, or keep it, keep that our little secret. I've tried to make you happy. Sure, I was a little easier to. It was a little easier to keep you happy when you were a cute little tyke. A simple temper tantrum got the job done. Then, as you, we grew older, I had to be a little more discreet. You wanted to keep winning and getting your way all the while looking humble and unassuming. That gets tricky, not to mention tiring. That used to be my life there. As a matter of fact, you never seem to care about dull stuff like bills and consequences of what happens tomorrow. I've said more than a few harsh words on your behalf to certain people, and you never warned me about the mess. You never told me I couldn't unsay what I've said. I love you, me, but I can't keep living for you. You always insisted that if you, if I just keep you happy, then I'd be happy. As simple as that. But you know what? It's not as simple as that. It never has been. Did I miss one? Huh? Okay, sorry. Oh, yeah. I joined the two together. My bad. Didn't take my point out. Me, I've let you be in control and sit in the driver's seat, but it's clear you can't be trusted. You keep insisting you know the way we should go, but it always seems to be a dead end. I've looked into some other options and I have decided to begin a journey down a different path. It's narrow and difficult and not many choose it, but it leads to real and abundant life. However, and there is no easy way to say this. I can't take this path if I bring you along. So me, this is the end of you. Sincerely, me. Just a little story. I know I said it in closing. Friday, I uh, stopped in on the way home at McDonald's. And you know, this was on my mind. And so I stopped in there and there were three of them drove in just before I did. So there's, there's two lanes and so just naturally you come over here. Well, I got behind this vehicle and I was sitting there and she kept on ordering and then we just sat there and four vehicles went through the other side. And it was just, I almost was fuming. It was just, I mean, how could you take that long? But then all of a sudden, this came to my mind. Is this Jesus or is it me? My point is, I don't want you to expect you're always going to be perfect, okay? Sometimes me wants to rise up, but I was still in the box. I was still in that position in Christ. It's just that still small voice that Calvin said, Laverne. Give me me. So I said, Lord, I'm sorry. So many times. We can almost get wrapped up in road rage. That's not Jesus. That is not Jesus. That's me. I'm guilty. But that does not mean I've lost my salvation. It's just that's something I need more sanctification in. I'm still justified. Does that make sense? If we're, this is justification. Now the going to higher grounds and going to higher grounds, that's the sanctification. It's not the ins and the outs of the uh, justification. I was still justified. It was just me was rising. I want to encourage you in that. It's just don't give up. Just, this is the end of me because it's all about Jesus. What I should have done is run up ahead of her and just say, here, let me pay it. You know, even now, my flesh would wanna say, since it took you as long to order, you must have a big order So let me pay it. That way it doesn't cost you so much. But no, that wouldn't be right either. But that's a way to get over the impatience is do something counter of what you really want to do. That's Jesus. Because while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Are we the Jesus of today? Are we the hands and the feet of Jesus? We can't be Jesus. Don't take me wrong on that. But when we are in Christ, they should always see Jesus in me. If that's my focus. If that's who we can be. When it's truly the end of me, I metamorphose into a new life in Jesus Christ. And in that is where we find the abundant life, the perfect law of liberty. Not the liberty of just doing how I please. Remember, me's gone. But in Christ, we are free. If Christ has set you free, you are free indeed. That's what we want. This The things of this world grow very dim. If we can see on the other side, like Keith had said, Jesus is everything. Let's pray. And Jake, I might have you close. Then remember the meal prayer in the end. Heavenly Father, we count it a privilege that we can serve you. You've just revealed that the other week, that while I was working, it, it just came that it is such a privilege. that I can serve you because you have chosen me. How unworthy I am. But you have chosen me. You have loved me so much. And that's for each one here. Father, thank you for this body of believers. And the closeness that we have. The love that we have. And it comes from you because you are love. And thank you for the time that Jesus spent on this earth. To teach us. What it really looks like. What the kingdom of God really looks like. And what it is. How it should be. Lord, where there is too much me, just pray that you would reveal it. Just humble us, Father, so that we can vision all the thoughts that are our own. And that we are totally and solely focused on you. Forgive us where we failed. Father, keep each one from the evil one. We thank you, Jesus, that you have prayed that for us. John has recorded Keep us from the evil one father that the cares of this world are nothing but that we cast all our care upon you because you care so much about us oh help us father Empower us by your Spirit. And that grace, Father, that has saved us by our faith. Faith being the vehicle that brought us in. May your grace enable us to do your will. It's all your work, Father. Bless each one, Father, that is, who, that is here. Bless the families. Bless the visitors. And if they're traveling home, whenever they're traveling home, Father, just keep them safe. And we also, our desire is that you would bring James and Glad and the family home safe as they travel home tomorrow. We praise you. All glory and honor go to you, Father. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.